Well, hello again, friends. Welcome on into episode 218 of the SCO Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. And we've got the Cleveland Browns to talk about. And really what I'm going to do today is I'm going to let somebody else tell you about the Cleveland Browns. In the second half of this show, my good buddy Jeff Lloyd, host of Locked On Browns, is going to join us. He's going to talk about Adele and Baker and that team, the run game, and how the Browns could pull off a win on Sunday against the New England Patriots. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about Odell because that seems to be sort of a driving factor, of driving force of the football conversation today. And we still await word of where Odell is going to sign. New England Patriots are reportedly in on Odell. Or maybe they're out on Odell. It kind of depends on who you read. But I do think that they're at least going to kick the tires on signing Odell. But we'll, we'll dive into Odell and sort of best fits for him generally and how he could potentially fit in with the New England Patriots. But before we do that, your usual cavalcade reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at a variety of places. Matt Waldman's RSP Quick Game Podcast. Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, right here at Pat's Pulpit, where we do Mac Attack each week. That went up earlier this week. And, of course, USA Today's Touchdown Wire. Got a piece up uh, from yesterday on the Atlanta Falcons and why their offense might be worth keeping an eye on. And I do have a piece up right now on the three sort of teams that are rumored to be most in contention for Odell Beckham services and how he would sort of fit in there. And... Before diving into where Odell could fit with those, how he could fit with those three teams, and then how he might fit in New England, I think it's worth it to talk about for a moment Odell's tenure with the Cleveland Browns. Because a lot of people have tried to sort of lay blame as to why that relationship and marriage did not work between him and Baker, between him and the Browns, between the Browns and Baker and him. And some people are saying, look, it's all Odell's fault or it's all Baker's fault. You know, if that were the case, life would be easy. But as is the case in football and in life, it's a lot more complicated than that. And as somebody that has watched Odell, that has watched Baker, that has studied Baker, that has studied this offense, that has studied these kinds of offenses, I think in many cases, there's blame to go around for player, receiver, quarterback, coach, offensive philosophy. It's not as simple as saying, look, Odell was freelancing all the time and that wasn't going to work. It's not as simple to say Baker didn't trust him and was never going to throw the ball. It's not as simple to say that Kevin Stefanski was designing an offense that really wasn't suited to what Odell does. Are there moments where Odell was sort of freelancing? Yeah. I think a lot of receivers do that. And I think if you look at sort of any NFL playbook, any college playbook, any, any playbook, you'll see moments where routes convert, where things adjust, where... You know, if you're getting this coverage, this leverage, whatever, you've got to make that adjustment. And now was was Odell perhaps going beyond that a little bit? Maybe. But I do think as a quarterback in today's game, you have to be able to adjust to those adjustments. If you're expecting somebody to run a post route and they stay vertical because the leverage of the Tampa 2 middle field runner says he can't get over the top of them, then you see that and you throw them open. So I don't think it's as simple to say as, oh, well, this is a timing and rhythm-based offense and it was just really throwing things off. Now, I do think, and as you'll hear in a moment, Baker is a better quarterback without Odell. But that sort of might 
feed into how this offense in Cleveland is constructed, how it's designed to use tight ends and the run game and play action and stuff like that. Now, also with the offense, I think there are two things to keep in mind. One, and this is something my colleague Doug Farrar wrote about, they were kind of using Odell at times as like the vertical stretch guy to clear up stuff underneath. And sometimes as the vertical stretch guy, you're not going to see the ball. Especially if your quarterback's not looking there because he's focusing so much on the route concept. And that brings us to the discussion, Baker Mayfield, Baker or Chef, right? Is he somebody that's going to go by the book or is he somebody going to sort of create things? Baker this season looks to be more of that Baker, to use the analogy and to ham-handedly force that pun down your throat. And another thing to keep in mind with this offense, and this gets into something that Seth Galina did late last week, they also at times used Baker as your backside dig guy. Well, the thing with that is, while he's getting open on that backside dig, Baker's not coming to it. He's not coming to it. He's reading frontside concepts. Three by one, Odell's the one to the single receiver side running that backside dig. Baker is going through one, two, three frontside, and he might not come to it. So Odell's getting open on that concept, but the quarterback's not bringing his eyes there. And so that's sort of, there's a lot of sort of blame to go around. There are also times when Baker, on concepts designed for him, didn't throw in the ball. There are times when on concepts designed for Baker, for Odell, Baker did throw in the ball, and he dropped it. Like, for whatever reason, 6-13 and 13 never got on the same page in Cleveland, and their relationship ended. Now, you're hearing a number of teams are in on Baker. Seattle is one. New England is one. Depending on who you read, who's reporting you listen to, it seems like the Chiefs, the Packers, and the Saints might be the three teams sort of in the driver's seat. I think there's interesting ways to think about Odell potentially fitting in with those teams. With, with the Packers, I think it's the vertical stuff, the back shoulder throws, putting them opposite Devontae Adams, and he can be that backside dig guy because Aaron Rodgers is a guy that will do that. So you can go frontside concept with Devontae Adams involved in it. Rodgers doesn't like it. You can come and hit that backside dig. You can get Odell involved right away as the backside guy on go routes. You don't like the frontside concept or you like the matchup backside with Odell, boom. Vertical stuff, back shoulder stuff, that could certainly work. I, I think the Packers are an extremely clean fit schematically for Odell. The Saints, I think, are a bit of a tougher sell from the standpoint of, you know, it's more quick game stuff right now, especially Trevor Simeon. But Odell can still give you some of that. Slants, shallows, digs, crossers, some tunnel games, some screen games, stuff like that. I think the pitch from the Saints will be twofold. It will be, you come here, you'll be wide receiver one. Like, look, we, we don't have that guy right now. You know, you go to Green Bay... They got Devontae Adams. You go to Kansas City, which we'll talk about next. They got Tyreek Hill. You come here, you're wide receiver one. And yeah, you don't have Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, but we're feeding you the football and you're coming home. Born in Baton Rouge, played at LSU. Like it's a homecoming. And if you're looking at this, the rest of the season as a sort of audition, a one-year rental where you're going to show teams what you still have to parlay that into a bigger contract next year, what better place to do it where... 
You're going to be seeing a ton of targets, ton of opportunities. Going to be wide receiver one. You go to Green Bay, you go to Kansas City, you might get five targets a game. Here you're going to get 10, 15. Imagine what you can do with that. So I think that's the pitch if you're if you're Sean Payton. The offense, the scheme fit, it's not as clean as, say, Green Bay. And it's, I think, interestingly enough, not as clean as it is in Kansas City. You know, a lot of questions about Kansas City facing too high and all that stuff. You can you can take the safeties, use them to sort of double or bracket or whatever Hill and Kelsey. That becomes a tougher equation for a defensive coordinator if you're facing Odell now. And what I love about the potential fit in Kansas City, going three by one at times with Kelsey and Hill on the same three receiver side and Odell's your backside guy. A lot of teams, we've seen New England do this. You get that look, they run one cross, they bring that safety down and take away crossers from Hill and Kelsey. You do that, you leave the one-on-one opportunity for Odell Beckham on the backside. I also think, look, would you go Y-ISO? I mean, last year I wrote about it prior to the Super Bowl. The most impossible formation to defend last year was Y-ISO with Kelsey as the single receiver and then Tyreek as the three guy in the trips, the inside trips receiver. Now you put Odell to the outside of that on the trips. That's a lot you got to deal with. And so I think the fit in Kansas City is the, now we're going to make you make some really tough decisions as a defense. And then there's, look, this is a Patriots show. So how would he fit in in New England? And I I think it would be a couple of different things. I, I think he would give a vertical threat. For Mac Jones, he has, still has the ability on back shoulder stuff. And then I also think, look, you look at some of the quick game stuff, the slants, the shallows that Odell can still execute, particularly off of play action. That will be a, a nice fit as well. You start thinking about, you know, the moments where New England goes YY Wayne with Hunter Henry and, and John o. Smith to one side and the YY Wayne. You put Odell in the slot. You go run action with shallow, with cross, with over from Odell. That's a nice little look. And in terms of pitching that to Odell, it's, look, you would be wide receiver one. You might not be the wide receiver, the first option on every single given play. But you're going to get to play for Bill Belichick. You're going to get to fit into an offense that is multiple, will be vertical at times, will be quick game at times. You know, they'll... We've seen from the Patriots over the years the ability to ask what a guy can do and then tailor what he's required to do to that skill set. And you'll be able to come into a situation where I, I know Odell said he wants to play for a contender. It does seem like New England's got themselves into the mix here. So I think that's the pitch. You play for the Hall of Fame coach. You have a chance to get in on the ground floor with Mac Jones. And who knows? And we've also seen before the sort of Belichick car wash, right? Player that comes to New England, maybe there are some questions about him, sticks in New England for a bit, goes on to a big deal as a result. Or we've seen it where Belichick would bring a veteran in for a workout. People think, oh, well, if Bill's interested, we're going to get in on that. So that might be intriguing from Odell's perspective as well. But maybe by the time you listen to this, there's been a decision. But we also have a game to get ready for, and that's what we're going to do next. We're going to talk to my buddy Jeff Lloyd. But Pat's Browns, that's next here in episode 218 of The Sco Show. 
And welcome back to episode 218 of the Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And I am overjoyed to be joined by this next guest. He and I go way back in the sort of draft Twitter world. We're, we're a bunch of dads trying to figure out doing dad stuff. He's one of my favorite people in this entire industry. I've been so happy to see him crushing it over at Lockdown Browns. He is Jeff Lloyd. You can follow him on the Bird app at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Jeff, my friend, what's going on, buddy? Uh, not too much, Mark. Uh, always look forward to these. Um, you know, it, it's certainly been too long here. Um, and look, you know, for a couple of guys who were, you know, kind of, you know, intrigued by, you know, trying to find a way to talk more football because it wasn't going to be talked about at home. You know, I think we're doing all right <laughs> for ourselves. And obviously, you know, uh, you and Mr. Doug Ferrar over there, you know, killing it daily with the uh, touchdown wire stuff. And I got to be honest, I, I the three throw segment is starting to become one of my favorite parts after every NFL weekend. And for all you Brown, uh, any Browns listeners or whatever, I actually kind of requested the throws for Baker Mayfield this week. Yeah, I woke up, just so people know, I woke up Monday, Monday morning to a DM from Jeff. Uh, we chat all the time, but it was, can I please get a three throws from Baker? And Jeff actually requested a couple of throws too. And, and they were good ones. I was happy to put them in there. But, but Jeff, look, we got a big one, obviously. Uh, Cleveland, New England this weekend. Let me just ask you this. You were a huge Odell guy back in the day. I remember draft Twitter, like you were like all aboard the Odell train, probably no bigger guy in that draft sort of war about Odell than you, but are the Browns a better team without him? It, it was a horse realization. I actually have to come to that fact and say it. Um, but you saw it last year. There was no way around it when the ACL tour in Cincinnati. Um, and f- ironically enough, I mean, Baker took off literally that game. It was just kind of like the switch yeah. was off and it was like, all right, let's roll. Um, and what he did going down the season. Um, it just, again, and now the beginning of the season, you know, week one against Kansas City, he looked really, really sharp. Got hurt week two against uh, the Texans. Um, but still completed 90% of his passes that day without Odell Beckham Jr. Odell's first game back, five for 71. Uh, against the Chicago Bears, and you thought maybe, hey, here it is. Um, and I hate to use body language and things of that nature, but you could see, you know, it just wasn't there. It, it just wasn't working, you know, and I think it was to the point now where you had both people pressing. You had certainly had Odell pressing and, you know, eyes towards his next contract, Baker pressing, eyes towards his contract extension. Uh, so two players who were in similar positions and really, really needed each other to make it work for each other, and it, it just it, it was not working in any way whatsoever and the thing is and we've we've talked about this and this was before Odell even came is Baker was kind of like a painter he used every color on the palette and this goes back to his rookie year we're talking about players like Fells we're talking about Rashard Perriman and this was like the emergence of Rashard Higgins back in the, the day didn't matter who you were if you hit your spot you were the open guy he was throwing it to you wide receiver one wide receiver five tight end one tight end three that was the way he was doing business and now you saw it at Sunday in Cincinnati it's just and I don't want to say it makes things easier. It makes things less complicated. Baker can just grip it, rip it. And you certainly saw like the balls that were being thrown Sunday in Cincinnati, they were thrown more confident. They were thrown with more velocity, just stuff. You know, he is where he is at his best organizationally. You're going to choose the quarterback over the wide receiver, almost 10 out of 10, out of hundred out of hundred times. There's very, very rare instances. And I go back to Baker was mic'd up in a 2019 game. Nick Chubb scored like a seven or eight yard touchdown run. And Baker came over to Odell and Jarvis at the same time. You know, boys, have a little patience. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. And it was like the weirdest thing in the world because it was like, is he apologizing because they scored? And like it wasn't either one of them. And like it it was really, you know, kind of like a precursor to the way things went. And look, you know, Odell, all the talent in the world. I mean, is it all there? Maybe it's still there. But we are talking about a guy, you know, broken ankle, 
ACL. You know, there was a hernia, obviously, issue two years ago. You know, is the body still there? Is he still that electric player? We don't truly know. I mean, you know, wherever he goes here, you know, and I guess we'll see if he's going to make a decision soon because, you know, normally if you want to play this week, you'd want to tell a team what time you're going to be there so you can learn to play right. both to be, to be ready. But, yeah, there's no question that uh, the Browns are a better team. Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback. Kevin Stefanski is a better play caller. It, it seems crazy to remove a talent like they did to make things better. But it's exactly what they did. Let me ask you about Baker because I sort of dipped my toes into the Baker waters a couple of weeks ago and I found out that water is pretty warm. There's a lot of people very, you know, opinionated one side or the other on Baker Mayfield. Where do you stand on Baker and where do you stand on the decision face of this organization about Baker Mayfield's contract? The thing is, is the way the Browns are constructed, it's everybody, you know, what do you look at when these quarterbacks get extensions? All right, did he throw for, well, I mean, now I guess the benchmarks, you know, high 4,000s, 5,000s. He's never going to do that. He's not. Yeah. Is he going to throw over 40 touchdown passes in a year? If he does, Browns very well may end up 3-14 and 14 if he throws 40 touchdowns because it, it's not what they do best. Right. What you need to look at and, you know, monetary, how it works, the quarterbacks get their money. Is he their guy going further? And for him right now, what he's doing, he's literally doing himself a disservice by playing right now, playing injured, because he's had this run where the play was not good, was not good at all, and certainly below his standards, literally hurting his contract extension value. But at the same time, what is it doing? It's telling the team, look, man, whatever I can do for this team, I'm going to do. And it certainly, you know, obviously it's rubbed off on other players. You know, Jedrick Wills getting healthy now, but nursed a high ankle sprain for weeks where he was ne- not nearly the player he is. But you want to know what? I'm good enough to be out there, and I'm better than what else you're going to put out there if I can't go. And these are the t- and you see this. Wyatt Teller gets extended. Nick Chubb gets extended. Miles Garrett gets extended. Yes, it has a lot to do with what you're doing on the field but also has a lot to do with what type of player you are, what type of person you are, you know, and are we going to battle with you guys? You know, are these the guys, are you a guy that I'm pointing to other players saying, give me effort like this. This is what we need. This is what we expected here. And Baker's always been that guy. Yes. I mean, does he, is he brash at times? Sure. You know, does he say, you know, sometimes, wow, I wish I had put that sentence back in my mouth. Who doesn't in this world, obviously. Um, But you're going to extend him. I don't think there's any way around it. The question is, what is, what is the appropriate number? And I think it's going to be higher than some people are comfortable with, but there's a quarterback tax in this league and there's just no way around it. And cap is going to go up exponentially. We all know this. Um, this is really, really strapped here. Um, the Browns already shed themselves of you know money from Odell Beckham Jr. I'm pretty sure they don't have any intention of paying over $14 million to Jarvis Landry next year. We'll see how that works out. There are other contracts that can be moved. He's going to get extended. It's going to be somewhere in, in the thirties, which probably are going to have a lot of people flabbergasted. But he plays the game the way the Browns want him to play it. Um, I think a lot of this gets caught up in fantasy nonsense. And, yeah. You know, I tell everybody every year, Nick Chubb, that's it. You don't want anybody else on the Browns offense on your fantasy team. Uh, otherwise, you're just playing like roulette with it. But he is the quarterback of this team for the foreseeable future. They are comfortable with him, and they have a system that he works extremely well in. Yeah, well, let me ask you about this. I, I know there's sort of a – a COVID situation going on in Cleveland right now. Where I know, look, this is we're recording this on Wednesday, so a lot might change. But where does this team stand right now from a COVID perspective? Well, it's the running back room that's affected, but the, it, there is a trickle down effect here. Um, but Monday, John Kelly, John Ke- John Kelly is in essence the Browns' fifth running back. If you view the rookie Demetri Felton as four, he played Sunday. Monday, he went on the list. It wasn't a lot of talk, obviously, because it was your fifth running back. But, you know, this is what nobody thinks about is the trickle-down effect. Oh, oh, well, running back. So then you get the news on Tuesday. Nick Chubb, Demetri Felton, both players vaccinated, um, but both players testing positive, you know, for COVID. 
We all know the drill here. Nobody's going to tell us if they have a negative test. Nobody's going to tell us if they put together a second negative test. We're going to hear that their name comes off the list. Um, the Browns are at a tiny bit of a disadvantage here because when you're on the road, you're talking about you want this stuff wrapped up by Saturday morning. You need it wrapped right. up by Saturday morning because you're going to do a walkthrough. You're going to get on a plane and you're going to go to the destination. Dearness Johnson deemed a close contact. Dearness Johnson is vaccinated. So right now, Dearness Johnson's fine. He's going to show up on Wednesday. He's going to take a test. If he's negative, he practices. But the problem is you have five tailbacks. Kareem Hunt's on IR. Kareem Hunt with his injury uh, you know, on IR, this would be the week he could come off. Uh, the way it looked when he went down against the Cardinals, I, I'd be stunned if he's even close to be playing this week. They signed Brian Hill yesterday. Brian Hill, former player out of Wyoming, 2017 fifth-round pick. He's not much. Uh, 100 carries in the NFL, 4.7 yards per carry. But right now on the practice squad could turn out to be somebody that's part of this on Sunday, the way it currently looks. But the problem here is the trickle-down. You know, Demetric Felton, Dearness Johnson. Demetric Felton goes to wide receiver meetings as well. Browns use him as a wide receiver. So right. what's the issue there? You know, plays special teams. He's your punt returner. So he's in special teams meetings as well, as is Dearness Johnson. So this is what happens, and you get really, really nervous where the trickle-down is because uh, these guys are obviously, you know, different rooms, exposed to different people. And then, of course, from these special teams meetings, these guys go off to positional meetings. So, I mean, it's it's literally just, you know, like almost like the old telephone game, but trying to basically chase down, you know, a virus, you know, like it is. I mean, good news is, is everybody involved is vaccinated. Question is, you know, when are you going to get access to them? Will they test negative? And the other thing is, I mean, I know it sounds kind of silly, but how do you kind of run a practice right now? Because you can't run the daylights yeah. out of Dearness Johnson if you're going to need him on Sunday. And you could use Brian Hill, but I mean, it's going to take you 20 seconds between each rep because you're going to have to tell the guy exactly what he needs to do on the rep you're about to practice. Let me ask you about the defense, Jeff, because look, I, I, full disclosure here, I picked the Browns to get to the Super Bowl. I, I picked the Browns to get to the Super Bowl. Bowl did that was what they did on the defensive side of the ball it was a little shaky at the start but I think this defense has started to sort of figure things out similar to what we're seeing in New England with what they're doing on both sides of the football where does this defense stand right now what do they do well what are they good at what are potential areas where say an offense like New England's could have some success against them um, the positives. Well, look, I mean, Miles Garrett, uh, it's been fantastic. Jadavian Clowney and this is one thing with a player like Jadavian Clowney and he's He's such a he's a smart player. Normally, you talk never yeah. talk about elite athletes, and obviously, J.D. McClowney is never going to live up to the number one overall pick that he was. But like the effort to put it out there in the run game, and if he didn't, a lot of people would excuse it. They really would because it's you know most of the time. Look, you're here to kill the quarterback. You know, yeah. if you're going to set the edge, do the dirty work. Hey, that's all beneficial. That's great, but it's not necessarily what he's paid to do. But you see him do that. Um, the secondary, it's taken. A while, and I, I know there's people frustrated with Joe Woods, frustrated with the secondary. But I mean, when you're talking about Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Greedy Williams, all these players, first round picks or second round picks, you get to the secondary. Ronnie Harrison, you know, obviously was a phenomenal player for them in 2020. And there's been bonehead lapses, you know, whether it's penalties, getting ejected from a game, or just subpar play. Grant Delpit, we're starting to see at times the player at LSU that Grant Delpit was. But Achilles is no joke, and it's usually one year back on the field to re-understand the type of person you are, re-understand your body and what you have. You're never going to be 100% truly after an Achilles. you got to adapt. you got to adapt your game. And the most disappointing one up until a couple of weeks ago was John Johnson III. Yeah. Browns paid a lot of money for John Johnson III. But the problem was is they were using him basically in one capacity of playing deep. John Johnson is not an elite, not an elite athlete at the safety position. He is a player that gets by more on intelligence 
and you know diagnosing and reading the play as it develops. So basically just saying, hey, go play center field, it's a waste. Uh, he's not athletic enough to do it, and you're taking away from what he does well. You saw him in the Thursday night game, you know, obviously deep Teddy Bridgewater into an interception. You saw him with a great play, you know, uh, you know, on Sunday, reading the ball, typical safety type of thing. Denzel Ward blows up the play, balls in the air. John Johnson, the third, picks it off. They're starting to round into shape. What is the concern is the defensive tackle play. They can't, they're good, you know, as far as collapsing pocket, but they can get pushed around. And, you know, Andrew Billings was a player they signed in 2020. Andrew Billings obviously opted out for 2020. And he's been nothing. He's literally done nothing for them. He was supposed to be their run stopper. Uh, Second-year tackle Jordan Elliott has taken that role from him. Andrew Billings didn't dress last week. He's probably not going to dress anymore. So basically the defensive tackles are more athletic guys that can kind of get after it in pass rush, which means they can kind of get leaned on. You know, the Browns have put themselves in positions where it's not an issue. You get up big. You're not really worried too much about the run game. But even Pittsburgh, they didn't run the ball great, but it was enough to keep the Browns' offense off the field and it was enough to you know, get close enough where you either get some field goals or take some shots to the end zone. The run defense has been an issue. Um, the linebackers have played better, and this is the thing. You know, you hear it is again. You have not much invested in the linebacker room, but they're playing better than expected. Anthony Walker, you know, for whatever he is, he's involved in you know almost every tackle when he's on the field. Jeremiah Wusukoromo is in the same boat as Kareem Hunt. He would be eligible to come off this week with a high ankle sprain, especially for a player who is so – his game is so built on explosion and speed yeah. – I know I don't know how it's going to work out for JOK to be back this week. Um, so you're certainly going to worry. I mean, because if New England wants to try to make it an emphasis to run the ball here this week, I don't know the Browns have an answer for it. At least we haven't seen it without some players stepping up here. Malik Jackson been in the league for a long time, but never been his calling card to stopping the run. Malik McDowell right now looks like a guy. It's weird to say about a guy who's almost 25 years old. He's hitting the rookie wall, but he kind of is hitting yeah. the rookie wall. I mean, hasn't played football in five years. Uh, Browns have played nine straight. He's been out there every week. You know, certainly a guy could use a bye week here, but the run game is certainly for me right now is what what is the you know, cause of concern as far as the way this uh, Browns defense has been playing the last couple of weeks. Jeff, let me get you out of here on this one and not asking you really for a prediction, but let me put it to you this way. The Cleveland Browns win this game Sunday against the Patriots if what happens? The well, and number one, if you have Nick Chubb, because the two years ago in 2019, they didn't really have an answer for Nick Chubb. I mean, the game would have been vastly different if Nick didn't fumble inside the five after about a 60 yard run. Um, and they played with the Patriots that day. Uh, and also, I think you know, defensively, look, you it doesn't matter that Mac Jones is playing well as a defensive coordinator. You got to say, This is a rookie quarterback, you know, I've got to have a, I've got to have something one, two things that he's not ready for. And you know, they did a good job, and granted, at the time, Justin Fields wasn't ready to start week three when he did start and he certainly wasn't game planned for it by any means whatsoever, but you got to be willing to do something different and understand, Hey, I want to rattle this kid. And you know, how do you do it? Either bring in blitzes. He's not ready for you throw a coverage at him that he's not ready for. Um, there's certainly, you know, you have to focus on the tight end, you know, Hunter Henry is, you know, uh, always been a solid red zone option. And the Browns always have issues with tight ends over the middle. Uh, you know, whether, whether it's the linebackers getting back deep enough or the safety's getting up quick enough, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter what regime, what player, what defensive coordinator. It's been an issue here forever as far as that. But I think if they can run the ball like they're accustomed to, because that is the engine that gets this all going here, and then you get to the play-action game, um, you're, you're going to need you're going to need to run the ball. You need to run it well here, and you're going to need a mistake or two from the rookie quarterback of the Patriots. Fantastic stuff, Jeff. Please, before you go, plug your stuff. Let everybody know where to find you. Let everybody know where to find you on social media. 
uh, as everybody knows, uh, you know, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, day in, day out, daily podcast, um, iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever you get your, uh, you know, podcasts that uh, always available, always free here from the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore L, uh, underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, you know, DMs are always open. You know, we try to talk as much ball as we can here. Um, you know, you're going to be, a, you know. You're going to be a pain in the butt. We've gone to the blocking route here. We just don't have the time anymore in this day and age to do it any other way. Um, and the other thing is, you know, we're not going to have fledgling accounts with, you know, 175 followers trying to, you know, make an account for themselves by, you know, calling out bigger accounts. Uh, we've all learned as we've gone on through the years. Um, but, you know, I mean, look, this is exciting and this is a huge stretch here because, I mean, they kind of need this one. You know, you had the Cincinnati win, which was big. You got Detroit the week after New England. Um, and look, I mean, five and five with seven to go. It's not the position you want to be in if you're the Cleveland Browns. Fantastic stuff, Jeff. Always a blast getting a chance to catch up with you in shows like this one. Folks, that will do it for today. I will be back Monday after this one to sort of break it all down. Until then, friends, stay safe. Check in on your neighbors. Check in on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And what do you do? Sit along. Bless those Patriots' reigns. Got to follow.